Well, good morning. Good morning and welcome. Uh, my name is Randy, and it's great to have you with us today. Uh, what an awesome, incredible day, uh, not to be dimmed by a little bit of rain, uh, but it is an incredible day, and I want to wish each of you happy Easter. I want to tell you, I love Easter. I love Easter. We have been planning and thinking about Easter for months now, and uh, we're so glad that here we are today, that you guys have come to share with us. If you're a guest, uh, we really want to welcome you today to our time together. I love Easter, but I tell you, i got a shallow side about me about Easter because there's a lot about Easter that I love that isn't really very spiritual. I'll be honest with you. Uh, for example, I love that Easter comes in the spring. I mean, what a great holiday to come in the spring. Christmas is okay, but my goodness, in the dead of winter, freeze to death. You know, I love the spring. I love the new life. I love the beautiful flowers and all the grass coming up and trees and baby uh, bunnies and chickens and horses along the road, all those beautiful things. I love those things. I love Easter because um, we always have a great time. I remember Easter egg hunts with our kids. I remember uh, great family reunions. We're having one today. A lot of you are, are, as, are as well. Uh, I remember all those great times we shared together. I love Easter because I love candy. I, I really do. And you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about, parents? You, know, you don't want to buy that junk for your kids. You want to buy good stuff for your kids because when they go to bed... They don't know that, but, but you want the good stuff. Man, I love those Cadbury eggs. I love those Reese's eggs. I love Peeps. Man, I love Peeps. I'm going to start a Facebook page, Peeps per Peeps is what I'm going to do. Uh, I, I love those things. They're so cool that, that what reminds us of, of Easter we think about. But we've so far just talked about everything that the world, the world kind of celebrates. And I want to tell you the real reason I love Easter is because it's like the Super Bowl for Christians. It is the big day. It is what it's all about. It's Easter Sunday. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. It's why we even exist. Were it not for Easter, we wouldn't be here. There wouldn't be a church anywhere. There wouldn't be anyone called Christians. We wouldn't have any hope. Our lives would be meaningless. So Easter is a pretty big deal for those of us who believe in Jesus. And you know what? The whole idea of spring and new birth and celebration and even little rabbits and eggs, even though those things can be abused, all those things flow right into the meaning of new life in Christ, new beginnings. You know, several weeks ago, we began a study entitled I Am, and you just saw a video clip, a, a video of several people who talked about what their lives were like before they met Jesus and if you've been here the last few weeks, you have seen several individuals, several of those people, individual videos, and we've got all on our website, uh, you can go and, and find those things on our Facebook page. We would love for you to go and look at those individuals in our church family who would talk about how their lives would change when they met Jesus Christ, about the old person they used to be. And to be honest with you, in knowing these people on the screen, I would never know that old person that they talk about. It doesn't, it's not familiar to me. But here's the thing, every one of us have an old man or an old woman in our life, and it's not your spouse, all right? So get that out of your head. It's not the old man. It's the old man, the old woman. It's you. It's you and I. We have this old person in our life, and it's, it's our natural being. It's who we are. And we're either going to choose to remain there in that old person, or we're going to choose to have new life. And today, our topic is all about I am new. And you know what? We, I told you we plan about the Easter for months now. We're in like a 14 or 15-week series on the book of Ephesians. And in the middle of that book, there was a passage, or there was a section. We wanted it to be all about being made new. And so we based the whole series about today and the topic, I am new. That is our subject today. And, and we're going to talk about new life in Jesus Christ. 
You know, maybe when you look at your life, when you look at the old person in, in your life, you say, I don't like that person. And that's pretty understandable. Because all of us become who we are as a product of our upbringing, our experiences, our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups, our heartaches, the bitterness in our life, anger, woundedness, discouragement, disillusionment, frustration with life. If all those things sound familiar to you, let me ask you this. Would you like to have a fresh shot? Would you like to have a second chance? Would you like to have a new, better version of you? Maybe the 2.0 version, the person that God meant you to be, called you to be, designed you to be. I think most of us would kind of like that idea if it were possible. And I've got great news for you, and that is through Jesus Christ, you can be a new person, brand new. Now today, we're going to be looking at a passage of Scripture in the book of Ephesians chapter 4, and Paul is going to talk to us, the Apostle Paul, we're going to talk about the old you, and then we're going to look at the new you. And it's going to be a little bit painful, but let's read together, Ephesians chapter 4. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed." Now, Paul uses the word Gentile there. Don't let that throw you because probably almost all of us are Gentiles. The world's divided into two groups of people, Jewish people and Gentile people. Most of us are Gentile. But in the Bible, when you see the word Gentile in this context, he is talking about people who do not know God, people who do not have a relationship with God. And you know what? This is our natural state. It's not that we're all horrible, terrible, wicked, wicked people. Some of us are, but not all of us are. But what we are is we're just out of relationship with God. We're not in that closeness. We're not family with God. And so in these verses, Paul's going to describe what that looks like. And I'm going to warn you, it's not very flattering. You're not going to feel good about the old man or the old woman in your life by the time Paul gets done with it. But there's good news on the horizon, so hang on with me there. Here's what Paul says about the old person. First of all, he says that we have a futile mind. Now, I looked up the word futile in the dictionary. It, it, it means to have no useful purpose, totally ineffective. That's not a compliment about your mind, obviously, to say your mind doesn't have a purpose. Uh, maybe some of us feel that way, but that's not a compliment. But don't be immediately offended by this. What God is saying, the God of the universe who knows you very well, he's not saying you're stupid. He's just saying that you're wrong. You know, we all like to hear that we are right, don't we? We all like to hear that we are good, that we're fine, just like we are. We feel good when someone tells us that. But the truth is that we don't think like God, and we don't act like God, and therefore our minds are futile in their thinking. He goes on to say that we're darkened in our thinking as well. Have you ever been in a totally dark room? I mean, in a room where you can't literally, can't see your hand in front of your face. What do you see? Nothing. <laughs> Obviously, Nothing. That's why it's dark. You, you don't see anything. You don't see it clearly. If you're not a Christian, you're not living life and seeing life clearly. The other day I was on, uh, I think it was Facebook, and I was looking at a video, and it was of this grandfather. It was really cool. This grandfather at his birthday party, and he was sitting there, and he was opening this gift, and he opened it up. It was a pair of glasses. Maybe some of you have seen this, a pair of sunglasses. But they weren't just ordinary sunglasses. They were glasses that were designed to help people who were colorblind be able to see the vivid colors that everyone else sees. And he had never seen that. Probably 65 years old, had never seen colors like everyone else. And so when they tell him what they are, he puts the glasses on, he looks and immediately takes them off. It's too much. 
And he puts them back on, and he begins to cry. This grandfather's crying, and he puts them on. And finally, he can keep them on to look around and see the beautiful colors he's never seen in his lifetime. I saw another video. It sounds like I just watch videos all the time, but I don't. <laughs> it's over time, a long time ago. I, I saw a little a blind child get glasses and look up into the face of his mother for the very first time. That's what I'm talking about. That's what, it, that's what it means when you don't see clearly. And then you get this experience that suddenly you see everything clear once again. Without Christ, we just don't see things like they're meant to be and like God has established and designed them to be. We're blinding. Our thinking is darkened. And you know what? It doesn't matter if everybody else in the world sees it your way. It doesn't make it right. God's his own majority. God's always right. He goes on to say that we're separated and ignorant you know, it's not hard for us sometimes to see why people didn't like Jesus or Paul very well because they just tell it like it is and let the chips fall, don't we? But the reality is that we all need to hear the truth. Another version says here that we're alienated from God, that actually in our natural man, our old man, old woman, we are at war with God. And it's not just that we're victims, that we, don't lack, that we lack information. It's not that kind of ignorance. Instead, it's hard-hearted and insensitivity that we've chosen and the Bible says that we have hard hearts. In, in the Bible, the heart is not just that organ that pumps blood. It, it is the center of who you are, your very being. So a tender heart is open to God, but a hard heart is closed to him and says, I want what I want in life. A hard-hearted person sees themselves as the victim all the time. They're always right. They don't see they're wrong. And because they are insensitive, they have calluses on their heart. Calluses on their heart. You know, I had a short stint a few years ago of playing the banjo. I've told some of you this before, and I know it's really hard to believe because I just do not look like the banjo kind of playing kind of guy, right? Uh, but I had a short uh, stint of doing that in my midlife crisis. I bought a Jeep and I bought a banjo, but that's another story, all right? Uh, anyway, when I started playing the banjo, I, my fingers really hurt. If you ever played a guitar or anything, you know that that really hurts when you don't have calluses on your finger. But after a while, I built calluses up, and I, you know, I could do it. It didn't sound right, but I, I could still, and it didn't hurt. Unfortunately, my family never developed calloused on their ears. So that was why I no longer play the banjo, basically. But when you get calluses on some part of your body, you don't feel the pain that you used to feel. It doesn't hurt anymore. And, and, and you just, you know, you're kind of numb to it. Now, maybe at one point in your life, you, you were living and you felt guilty about what you're doing, but now you don't feel guilty. It's not right. It's just that you don't feel guilty about it anymore. You don't sense that it's wrong. And then Paul flows into another thought. He said, you've given up. You can reach a place in your life when wrong seems right. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't bother you anymore. You don't see any difference. You're callous. You justify what you do with life. And you just say, I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to do this. And we give ourselves up to temptation, and to sin. And Paul also says sensuality, which means gratifying and indulging yourself and being greedy about it. But does that sound like the world today or what? That's how we live life. That's, that's what it's all about. We've heard the truth, but it's kind of an inconvenient truth, and so we create our own truth that is much more convenient for us and give ourselves wholeheartedly to it. Now, that person I just described Maybe that's you in reality, but you probably do not see that in yourself, which is totally understandable. 
Because, remember, you're futile-minded, darkened in your thinking, separated from God, ignorant of it, hard-hearted, insensitive, and you've totally given yourself over to it. So naturally, you wouldn't see that in yourself, right? But it doesn't mean it isn't true. And that's a very good description of what God looks at us in the natural state. And we can deceive ourselves. But here's the thing. When we die, when we die, we're not going to stand in front of ourselves as a judge and be judged based on what we think of ourselves. And we're not going to be based or judged by a, a, a jury of our peers. The Bible says we're going to stand before holy God of the universe, and if we stand there as this old man that we described, that we're going to be lost, separated, cut off from God. That is horrible news. But that's the reality of it. But you know what? Thankfully, because it's Easter, we got great news, awesome news, awesome news. That's what this day is all about. Because the word gospel, as in Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word gospel means good news. And so we turn the corner immediately and we hear good news that Jesus wants to make a new man or a new woman out of you. Because the new you that is waiting for you to become is the you in Christ. And so let's pick it up, the next couple verses here, Ephesians 4.20. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. And you were taught in Him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So through this darkness that we've been living in, here comes the hope. Here comes the glasses we can put on to finally see the truth. And this is what Easter's all about. Guys, remember that Paul is writing to Christians here. It's a reminder to us of what we've been called to, what we've been given, how we ought to be living life. That we should, because we're new, we should not be living like the old person. So maybe today is just a time for us to think, you know what, i got to get, get it together. Because I have been made something, and now I need to live up to that. But also in with this is the clue to becoming made new originally. And maybe you haven't done that. We're going to hear the truth about Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And guys, that's what we celebrate today. That which is of first importance, that Jesus Christ loved all of us enough that He died for us. He took upon Himself the burden of sin and shame. He took that to the cross and He died for it. He paid the price. And then he was buried in the tomb, but he overcame that. He wasn't just a martyr for what he believed or for us. He overcame that, and he came back to life again on the third day. Easter is what gives us hope for a new us, because Jesus was made new, a new body. And after his death, he came to life. And after our death, we can come to life once again. That's the promise. And not only can we have that in eternity, but we can have it today, a new life. So Paul says, now put off the old self that's being corrupted by evil desires. You know, very few of us, I think, would think that we're corrupt. Most of us wouldn't define ourselves as corrupt, but in God's eyes, we are. And our desires are, are, are what does it. It's not just the world around us. It's the internal part, doing what we want to do. And even though we may have great intentions and we try to be better people and self-help and all that sort of thing, we can't put our old self off. But with his help, we can shed that person. And then we can be made new in the attitude of our minds and our hearts. We can put on the new self through our decision to follow Jesus, through repentance, change, transformation. All of this starts in the mind with how you think 
And then it comes out into our actions and our relationships. And once you hear the truth of Jesus Christ, and once you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you are being made a new person. And then that new person becomes your identity. You know, in this series, we've been talking about who we are. And we talked early on about how the, we, sometimes we define ourselves by our job or by, by the things we have or by our family. And in reality, our identity is only in Christ. That's where we arrived early in, this, in the study. But in Christ, we are created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, something happens in your life and you become different. You are different in every way. You know, this morning when, when most of us woke up and we saw ourselves in the mirror, that is not the person we wanted most people to see, is it? Just think a moment about that. Amen. That morning you is not your best you, all right, for most of us. Maybe you're one of those people, but it's, it's really not. So you look in the mirror, you're like, I got some work to do. And you get in the shower, you know, and then you, you know, and then maybe it's makeup. I don't know. However you get to be where you are today, because you all look great today at this point, all right? That morning you is not the best you. Something's got to happen to get you cleaned up, all right? But you know what? It's even bigger than that. It's bigger than that. And another thing I love about spring is that there's some events going to happen in just a few days that are going to change people's lives forever, right? For example, there's going to be some graduations. Graduations in the spring almost all the time. I mean, starting at kindergarten, but in the elementary and middle school and high school and college and People are going to graduate. People are going to walk in a student, and they're going to walk out a graduate. They're going to throw their hat in the air, and they're going to celebrate, and they're going to be a different person, right? Things are going to change. Not only that, other things happen in the spring. Uh, Weddings happen in the spring, right? A lot of weddings in the spring. So people in a wedding, everything, all these preparations are made, and a couple walks in, single man, single woman, an event happens, and they walk out different, right? They walk out. The experience changes everything. You see, there's a lot of symbolic things out there uh, about this whole process, but I want to tell you this morning, you may have walked in as an old man or an old woman, and you can walk out of here because of what you experienced, that you can walk out a new person, the new you in Jesus Christ, a brand new you, not just fixing yourself up, but something special that happens, a relationship that begins, and then you walk out. Now, this morning, maybe you're here, and, and you're going to hear this in different ways. Some are, some are going to say, you know what, uh, I, I, can, I can agree with most of what you say, but I don't really need to hear this because I'm good enough. I'm pretty good. And, you know, when we compare ourselves to others, we might look pretty good, but the bad news is you're not good enough. If you've ever sinned once, just one time, even a small thing, you've broken your relationship with God, and you've broken that, that oneness. You're already old. You're broken. And you've got to come to, to God because the only way you can be made right with Him is by giving your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father except through me. And the only way that you can be made new is through Jesus. And until you do that, you're going to be the old you. Others may say, you know what, I'm not a Christian, but I'm spiritual. And that's great, you know, to be in touch with the Spirit. But, you know, what spirit are you in touch with? What kind of spiritual are you? Because there are lots of spirits out there, but there's only one Holy Spirit. There's only one Jesus. There's only one way to the Father. And so your spirituality is not going to do you any good unless you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There are others of you here this morning. There are others here this morning. Maybe you're a very religious person. Maybe you never miss church. You always go to church. 
But the reality is we can go through all the motions and never have an experience this relationship, never truly be born again. Others of you may say, well, you know, I'm here, but I'm too far gone because you haven't even gotten to the bad part that would define me. That's how I'm worse than anything you've talked about today. And you may say you're pretty bad. There's no hope for you. And that's not true. In fact, none of those things so far we said are true. Here's the truth. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's the truth right there. And the only way to hear, really hear this truth is to receive it and to receive Jesus Christ. So this morning, if you're here and you've never given your life to him and you've never experienced a new birth in Jesus, we want to give you the chance to do that today. Today, we've kind of designed this as a decision day. Now, I believe every day of our life should be decision days, and certainly every Sunday should be a decision day, but, but we've kind of set this day apart to say we really want to challenge people to make this the day that they give their life to Christ if they have not done that. And if you have done that, would you recommit your life to Jesus Christ? We really want you to, to think about that. And let me just tell you, some of you came today and you're like, man, you know, we, we, I didn't plan to do anything today. I just came to plan to, you know, enjoy church and go home and go eat something, you know. And maybe you came because somebody guilted you into coming or, you know, convinced you in some way. I don't know how you got it. It doesn't matter how you got here. But, but the reality is maybe you didn't plan anything today. I'm convinced that people come and they hear about Jesus many times and they go away just the same way they were because they just don't have a vision for any hope in their life, for anything to be any different, any better. But I, one, of the, one of the things that I've got a chance to do throughout ministry is be on the front row of seeing God change people's life instantly, dramatically, to where their life is never, ever the same again. And it all begins in a step of faith to say, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I want to give him my life. I want that newness. I want new life. And we want to give you that chance today. Maybe you say, well, I didn't come prepared for anything today. That's okay. We're prepared for you. You don't have to be prepared. We're, we prepared everything because the Bible says that whenever we come and give our life to Christ, all we have to do is to be will, to believe in Jesus, be willing to leave the old man, the old woman behind, commit to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and be baptized for our sins to be washed away, to be buried with Christ in death, his burial, and his resurrection. You see, baptism is an incredible picture of the Easter experience where the old person has died, we are, we are buried with Christ, and we are raised to a new life. And we are ready to do that this morning. And I want to challenge you to do that because this may be, honestly, this could be the last or the only opportunity you get to hear the gospel in a setting where instantly you can respond. And you say, well, doesn't that seem a little bit fast? You know, in the Bible times when they talked about Jesus, people heard it, and they were baptized immediately. That's the response that God wants for us. Just do it. Don't put it off. We try to, we overthink things, and Satan comes along and steals the, the uh, urgency out of our lives. The Bible says when you hear the message, today is a day of salvation. And so if you want to be a new person, if you want to be born again and give your life to Christ and experience that through baptism, we are prepared. We have everything you need. You can walk in just like you are. We have clothes. We have warm water. We have everything ready. All things are ready just for you to decide to give your life to Christ. If it sounds like I'm a little pleading, a little desperate, yeah, I am. It's a desperate issue. It's an urgent issue. 
And all of us who know Jesus, we understand that, and we need to be praying. We've been praying for weeks for today, for decisions to be made. And if you feel like you're being pulled in some way, you are. It's God's Holy Spirit saying, come, come. Everything is ready. Just come. And so that's what we're going to do in just a few moments. Here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then I'm going to walk out. And if you know that God is calling you today to respond on a beautiful Easter day, to give your life to Christ, would you just go to that door over there? We have people will be waiting there for you to go back. We'll go in with you, ladies. There's a, there'll be a lady to go in with you. Prepare. We'll sing a couple songs, and then we're going to have a beautiful baptism service. And you're going to see the beauty of the resurrection played out as people's lives are changed and they are born again. So would you please, if God's calling you, know today is the day. Just have the courage to walk through that door over there. Let's stand together and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come today. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And today, as we celebrate this resurrection, God, we want this to be the day that everyone who has not done so would experience new birth, new life in Christ. And so, God, thank you that we have this place, that we have this time, that we have this message, and we have this opportunity that the Spirit calls, your Word calls. Jesus calls. We as a family, church, community call for all to come, give their life to Christ. I pray for courage and motivation just to take that first step to walk out, to begin a new life in Christ. And I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.